You're listening to Season 6 of Fried, the Burnout Podcast with your host, Kate Donovan. Fried exists to hashtag end burnout culture, to help listeners release any shame, blame, guilt, or judgment that you have about burning out, and to create spontaneous moments of healing through recognition of shared humanity with other people who have experienced burnout and lived to tell the tale. Fried and its associated Facebook group are free resources provided for you from our hearts. Our paid work includes keynote speaking and one-on-one coaching. You can find information about that at katedonovan.com. And now, here is this week's Healing Packed episode. Fried fam, I have such a treat for you today. And I know it's a treat because... Julie and I have had multiple conversations, the first of which you can go here on her podcast called This Shit Works, and you can search my name and you'll find it. And from the moment we met, it was like, hey, bestie, second two, like two seconds in, we were, it was just, we just hit it off. And she's, you know, a Massachusetts girl, and that makes things a little um, easier because there is that sort of vibe that, you know, that we do have a certain quality to us that is... uh you know, whether we want to or not, I guess <laughs> it's, it's there with us. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation. And when we were talking about her coming on the podcast, she told me a little story and I stopped and I said, okay, but we need to say that on the podcast. So we're going to stop doing that now. And you're going to tell me the rest. So today you get to hear from Julie Brown, who is a motivating high energy speaker who teaches the importance of networking and why you are your best business development tool. Julie has been invited to speak on the power of networking and relationship building by numerous conference organizations and private companies across the country. She is the author of This Shit Works, a no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, more and more success. A book dedicated to making networking easy, accessible, and fun, as well as the host of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things business development. Julie, welcome to the show. Hey, hello, my friend. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, we're gonna have so much fun. (laughs) It's gonna be the best. So I just I'm gonna just step back and let you tell the story that you were telling me a few weeks ago. And I was like, okay, wait, hold on, hold on, put this on pause. Can we tell this on the podcast? Yeah. Um, So your question to me was, Oh, do you have a burnout story? And I was like, Oh, you mean the time I was getting ready for work? And I heard the story about a woman who had just woken up from a three-day coma. And I was jealous of her because she got to sleep. And then I said to myself, well, that's what I need. I just need a well-timed coma. And then I'll just rest. And then I'll be able to get up and I'll I'll be good to go. And I knew something was wrong. I just need a well-timed coma. I knew something was wrong in my life where I didn't have time to rest unless there was a medically induced coma in my future. When you said that, the reason that it hit me was because for a couple of reasons, one, because you're hysterical and two, because this is something that comes up all the time. We have spoken about this on the podcast way back, I think even in season one. There was an episode about people desiring illness or injury Mm -hmm. so that they can get a break. Yep. Like, you guys, it's been a while since we talked about it, but if you're craving getting sick, 
you might just need to actually, if you think that you could take a break because you're sick, you could take a break without being sick and the world will turn. So what was, what was going on in your world around that time? Like what the hell got you to that point where you were like, a coma would be nice. I think I'm the kind of person, and I I don't think I know, I'm the kind of person where it's zero or a hundred percent. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no easing off the gas pedal. There's no gray area. And so whatever I do, I do it to an extreme. And that's true for training. When I'm training for marathons, it's true when I'm partying, (laughs) it's true when I'm working. So I think for me, I was just going, I was going balls to the wall in everything I was doing. And also I am the kind of person who I fear failure. I don't Mm. see it as a, as an option. I don't see it as a learning possibility. Failure for me is one thing, failure. So I go all out on everything. Now, at this particular time, I was just working way too hard. My husband owns his own firm. I was doing business development for one of the largest firms in Boston. I was responsible for $150 million worth of new work every year. And I thought that meant I had to work all day and work all night. And I was definitely working harder, not smarter. And I was afraid of what would happen if I took any time off, or I was afraid what would happen if I didn't show that I was the kind of person who who works themselves to the bone. This was before I owned my own company. I've owned my own company for seven years now, almost seven years, it was seven years in July. I'm sorry, in January. And now it's different when you own your own company, you work differently. It feels differently. And there was a point when I was hoping for a coma that I said, why am I working so hard for someone else? Mm. Why, why, why is this? Why do I have this drive to do this for someone else? Can I convert this energy into something else for myself? And ultimately ended up doing that. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's just a societal thing. It's this hustle culture. It's like grind, 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 grind. It's slay all day. Like that's the messaging we're given. And none of us want to be seen as lazy because, oh, geez, lazy. That's the worst thing in the world you can be, you know? Yeah. So I just I just fell into that hustle culture and the grind and and feeling that that's feeling that busy equaled um, successful. successful. Yeah. And I think that there's a, there's an interplay that we're not discussing enough. And that interplay is the hustle culture is the system that we're in Mm -hmm. and our own personal tendencies to either fall into that system or to be able to resist it. Right. So, so when you have the hustle culture and that those personality styles that lend toward hustle culture then you're like getting it squared yeah right so you're stuck in this like yeah have to do it that way there's no way out but i remember when i was on your podcast is what three two years ago so the podcast is two years old now so it was probably within the first year so it's probably like a year ago a year ago year okay so about a year ago i think probably maybe even a little bit more And I remember 
we were having this conversation. You were like, yeah, let's talk about burnout. And then we started talking about it and your face started dropping while we were on the call. <laughs> you were like, uh, oh, oh, do you remember having that conversation and being like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm burned out again. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's funny, you know, you you change things in your life and you say never again. And I think that also happened in the pandemic. So let me just explain to you something that happened to me all the time. Even when I made changes and worked for myself is I would look at my calendar on a Sunday night Mm -hmm. to preview my week. And I would look at it and I would immediately have an anxiety attack and say, well, if I can only make it to Friday, if I can only make it to Friday, I'll be okay. Because that means I can relax on Saturday and Sunday. Every single week, I looked at my calendar on Sunday night and said to myself, you only need to make it to Friday. And then the pandemic happened. And Mm. all of those things went out the window. Like I wasn't out every night. I mean, when we started, when I started my company, my husband and I had a rule that we wouldn't see each other Monday to Friday. Like we wouldn't give each other shit about our calendars Monday to Friday, because like we are working on these two businesses. We're going to be successful. Blah, blah. We're the power couple, you know, all this stuff. So like we were like, okay, no shit until Friday. But once Friday comes, then we see each other like. What? Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy. And then. Then the pandemic happened and I wasn't out at night and I was drinking wine and watching Netflix and relaxing and seeing my husband's face for the first time in so long. And I looked at him and I said, how are we going to ever go back? Like, I didn't even say like, oh, we're not going back. I said, how are we going to go back? It was an assumption that we would go back to that that calendar lifestyle. I'd love to look at you, Kate, and say, we learned from our mistakes. And we, we, we don't run ragged, but we do, we do, we fell right back into it. I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Um, now I, I'm going to look at my husband on September 24th and I'm going to say, okay, I'll see you November 14th when I come back from all my keynotes. Like I'm literally, <laughs> you know, maybe I just suck at it. Maybe this is the thing I'll not excel at. Well, <laughs> like, but if you go balls to the wall on everything, can we go balls to the wall on resting? So I do want to say, especially when I give a keynote and you can also see the energy in my body now and people are going to be like that girl's on crack or way too much caffeine. I have no caffeine in my diet. I have two congenital heart defects. I've never had caffeine in my diet since I was 24 years old. And the doctor was like, yeah, you're going to fucking die. So you, oh, sorry. Can I swear? Uh, Yeah, I don't care. Okay. Um, So you can't have any more caffeine. So I haven't had caffeine since I was 24 years old. And when I give keynotes, like they are high energy keynotes, like people, and I'm also very small. Like I'm a small person. Like I'm not, not like a, like I'm normal size, but I'm small. (laughs) It's not coming out right. It's not coming out right. Okay. I'm not on little people, big world. That's what I'm trying to say. Like I'm just short. And people afterwards and all the reviews are like, oh my God, how much, how does all of that energy come out of that tiny little body and all of this stuff? And she must never sleep. Let me just tell you, I'm afraid of my face falling off. Like I'm afraid of getting old and like waking up one morning and my, and like my neck looks like a change purse. So I'm very serious about sleep. So I have a bedtime 
timer. And at 920, it basically says, get your bitch ass in bed so that I'm asleep by 10 because my alarm goes off at 530. So I sleep from 10 to 530 every day. So I get the recommended seven hours of sleep every night. I don't take moments of respite. That's the only time that I'm I'm saying to myself, okay. And it's mostly because I don't want to age like an old suitcase. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm very good about making sure every single day I get seven and a half hours of sleep. Is that good enough or no? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that's really interesting that comes up and and I something that I have to try to explain to people, and this is a really good opportunity to do it everybody's ability to use their energy is different. Mm. And it's, if you can do that and maintain your health and maintain your relationships and not feel like it is taking over your life, destroying your life of help, um, not helping. If, if it is not interfering with your ability to live the life that you want, if it is the life that you want, then cool. Mm-hmm. A-okay. Somebody said to me, like, are you anti-hustle culture? And I was like, not necessarily. If you are the personality type and the energetic type that thrives off of that, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fine. It's I think the the issue comes in where we don't realize that not all of us have that same build. Mm -hmm. We're not all built. And I was always super high energy and super. And when I'm on stage, I'm that. Yeah. I'm not that in my whole life anymore. Right. I was always the kid that people were like, did you give her sugar? And they're like, this is her without sugar. (laughs) Yep. She just doesn't fucking stop. I stop now. Yeah. But I stop because I realized that my go wasn't my natural energy. It was my natural fear mm. of not being good enough. So I yeah, showed fear up. Plays, fear plays so much into it. And I think we yeah. got into this when you were on my podcast. Yeah. And, and for, for your listeners who don't know me, I was essentially raised by my grandmother who lived to 97. She passed away in December. She lived to 97. She was, she grew up in the depression. And so when you are raised by a woman who was, who grew up in the depression, you were always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Now, when I tell you, we had a basement filled with canned food and an extra freezer full of meat, like the, the, the frostbite on this meat was like thicker than the meat itself. But this was for when there was no food. This is for when there were bread lines again. And so I grew up in this mentality of it can all be taken away. Yeah. And so I, I go to that place a lot mm-hmm. when I think I'm not busy enough. I'm not making enough money. Something could possibly happen. I immediately go to this place of scarcity. Mm. And it took me a long time and it took therapy. (laughs) It took me a long time and it took therapy for me to realize that that's my knee jerk reaction. That's why I go so hard. 
So one thing that I will say that I'm really proud of myself when the pandemic happened was this was the first time in my career, in my 22 years being out of college. Is that right? Well, well, yeah, at that point it was 22. Now it's 24 because we've been two years in this shit storm. Um, It was my first time in my 22 year career that I was my own boss and somebody didn't have control over whether or not I had a job or didn't have a job. And I said to myself, I am so glad I did the work to have my own company because I'm not going to lay myself off. I will figure out how to get through whatever is happening, but no one's going to call me into their office tomorrow and tell me that my position has been eliminated. So I actually found so much comfort in the fact that that couldn't happen to me ever again. Would I lose clients because they couldn't afford me? Yes. Would I still have my company and would I make it work and would I figure it out? Yes. Well, and this is interesting to me because one of the, another thing that doesn't get talked about gets talked about on this podcast really frequently, but not a lot of other places. Whenever people are talking about the stress response, they say, well, it's fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn. You know, it's like these, Mm -hmm. like your sympathetic nervous system is going to kick in and you're going to be, okay, blah, blah, blah. And there's another system that we don't talk about very often. And it wasn't found for a long time because, you know, we did research only on men. Mm-hmm. And when we started doing stress research on women, what we found was there's another system called Tend and Befriend. And Tend and Befriend exists in order to tend is basically a mother caring for a child. So if you are being hunted by a lion and you need your baby to be quiet, you need to tend to them so that they mm-hmm. can calm down so that you are not heard and found out, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure a lion can smell you, but you guys know what I mean. And the befriend is the thing that you teach people. The befriend is create your network mm-hmm. because having some sort of reciprocity and having access to resources yep. is what keeps you safe when shit hits the fan. It's much easier to share a loaf of bread with everyone than to keep a loaf of bread and watch it go stale and grow mold, you know, like, so there's this like idea of there that um, men have this response as well, but it's not as strong as them because this response is moderated by a hormone called oxytocin. And that hormone is enhanced by the presence of estrogen. So in the presence of estrogen, this, this reaction is going to be stronger. So there's this, basic idea that says when you are stressed out and when there's a lot going on, you are supposed to be reaching out to your community to ensure some base level of safety and shared resources. And, you know, so if so-and-so down the street has meat and you have bread and this one has broth and that one has Mm -hmm. berries or whatever the hell, then together we can figure it out. Right. So then we get into this idea of, you know, you have this sort of kind of like high stress way of functioning in the world, but the way that you do it is based on connection. And that connection might be the thing that buffers and protects you. Right. I just, today's episode of my podcast was how to I think it was seven tips on how to recession proof your network. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Mm. I don't, you need to have that community in place before crisis hits. Yeah. Because it's very hard to build a community in crisis 
And what I, but what I mean by build is it's very hard for you to build relationships authentically with honor and trust if you're coming at it consistently from a place of need. Yeah. So what you need to do is build those relationships prior to your, prior to when you are in a place of need, because then that's when that community kicks in. That's when reciprocity kicks in. That's when we're all here. You know, that's when a rising tide lifts all boats. So build that network before your crises happen. And so I think one of the big things in the burnout community and one of the major issues that I see in clients and people that come on the show is we tend to be women that avoid asking for help and reaching out because we're supposed to be able to do it all by ourselves. Yeah. I mean, we're so afraid of being needy. Women are so afraid of being labeled as needy. And like the last time I checked, it wasn't the women who are ordering mail order spouses. So (laughs) we find term needy. Okay. Like, we're going to be okay. We're not needy. Asking for what you, asking for what you need, what would be helpful to you because you have already given back to your network because your, your network wants to be there for you, is invested in your success. Whether that success is your mental success, whether it's your financial success, um, that's not needy. That's the way the world works. And it's okay for us to be in places of need sometimes and be in places of abundance sometimes. As long as when we're in places of abundance, we are giving back to our community and giving back to our network. This episode of Fried is sponsored by our partners at Qly.ai. If you're struggling to make healthy changes in your workday that will lead to long-term well-being, I might just have the solution for you. Qly.ai uses a combo of your input plus magical AI technology to help you build healthy habits into your calendar, Slack, or Teams for as little as the price of one fancy coffee a month. By syncing with your calendar, learning your habits, and using its customized formula, Qly will send you break notifications at convenient times throughout the day, reminding you to do things like take a walk, eat your lunch, drink more water, and more. By learning your schedule, Qly will cue you when you actually have a moment to take action. When you're burnt out, making changes can be hard and feel overwhelming. Qly is designed to make it easy and to move with you through your burnout recovery journey. To get started with a 25% discount, head to qli.ai forward slash fried. Fried fam, how often have you heard me tell you to update your mugs or the blanket on your couch? I am so thrilled right now to tell you that I am now partnering with Barabby, that's B-E-A-R-A-B-Y, to bring you the most comfortable and most comforting blankets on the market. Baraby offers a variety of weighted blankets, including the tree napper, which is a cooling option for those who get too hot, the velvet napper, which is made of ocean-bound plastic bottles, plus they make the hug it, a sensory knot pillow that will help you find calm, reduce anxiety, and bring your nervous system into a more regulated state. If I were you, I'd get one yesterday. You can find them on Instagram at mybaraby or online at bearby.com. That's B-E-A-R-A-B-Y.com. And that will be in the show notes. All right. So I have a question about one of the main issues with burnout 
is a sense of unfairness. This is directly related to resentment. So when things are unfair, we mm-hmm. start getting resentful. And when we're resentful long-term, we it's that's related to burnout. And in networking and in relationship creation, I've come across, I'll never forget, I had a patient when I was still in Poland and she was talking about how she this friendship was sort of breaking down. She was like, so I just cut her off and it's done and now we're never going to be friends again because, you know, like she didn't do the thing that I assumed she was supposed to do because I did that thing for her two years ago. And so blah, you know. And I remember sitting yeah. with her that day that this was 12 years ago. And I still remember sitting there and being like, that's not, no, Mm -mm. that's not how any of this works. But there's so many people that are, when you're a giver Mm -hmm. and when, then when you need something, you're looking for exact reciprocity in the same exact place where you put energy before. And that's not always how it works. So can we talk about that sort of the the energetic exchange that happens, the reciprocity mm-hmm. or lack thereof. Can we dig into that a little bit when it comes to networking? Yeah. So my first response to that is if you are keeping score in your relationship and you are always expecting tit for tat, you're never going to be happy. Amen. <laughs> Because we're not always at the same level of our ability to give energy, our ability to give referrals, our ability to give whatever. Not oh, This is why quid pro quo doesn't work. Yeah. Because quid pro quo is this for that, an exchange at the same time. And that's not how it works. Sometimes I'm in abundance and I have more to give, whether that's energy or referrals or my time or whatever. Not everybody is at the same level level as me at the same time. So the first thing you have to do is not keep score. So are there people who will take advantage of you? Yes. But if you are keeping score, that is robbing you of your energy. And it is okay to look at people in your network and say, this is a lopsided relationship right now. I'm not going to be giving as much to this relationship while I invest my energy and time and emotions into other relationships. But I don't, unless it's something toxic or harmful, I don't think that you should say, that's it. I'm shutting the door because you never know. People evolve. You And another thing is you have no idea what that other person is going through. And whether that be something that's happening in their family or something that's happening with them medically or or even emotionally, you know, you don't know what other people are going through. And we tend to look at our, our interactions with other people as on how they affect us and how we feel instead of wondering how they are, how they feel. Why are they doing the things that they are doing? Can I get more information about that to be a better friend? So the first thing is to build relationships without keeping score. The second is to understand that some relationships need more time and energy than other relationships. You and I have never met in person, Mm -hmm. but we have this great energy together. It doesn't take much for us to just fall back into it and be like, hey, what's up? Oh my God, can you do this? And like, like, that's the way our relationships work. I will send you an email and I'll be like, oh, this and this and this. I was thinking about this and this and this. And you'll write it back and I'll be like, okay. And then we won't talk for three months and that's fine. Yeah. Every relationship is different. 
And so for some relationships to be easier, that's a gift. Take those. Like yeah. that's a gift, but some require a little bit more energy and you only you can decide whether or not that energy give is worth it to you. Yeah. This is so important. I see this a lot <clears throat> that, you know, of uh, there's a there's a meme that goes around that says, you know, takers are going to keep taking and then they're going to be mad at you when you stop giving. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. you created a relationship with someone right. based on certain rules and then you changed the rules and right. then you're using it to prove that that other person is an asshole. They <laughs> might not really be. Maybe they are an asshole. That's possible. Mm-hmm. But they might just have never realized that it was costing you as much as it was because that's how you always acted. So it felt right. normal and natural. Right. Like there's, I, I feel like we we go too quickly to, this is negative, this is toxic, this is terrible. So I'm just going to bounce instead yeah. of stopping and saying, okay, what's really going on here? Right. I think you should bounce when things are negative and toxic. Like if, if something's yeah. actually toxic. Yes. To bounce. Yeah. A hundred percent. But the the reciprocity game doesn't it doesn't work the way that it that you think and it, it yeah. i think the the keeping track and going tit for tat also prevents you from occasionally recognizing that something came back to you a different way like mm-hmm. i have this really strong belief that the things i put out there come back to me not always in a way that's really yeah. obvious or directly related to that exactly. thing like i help person x but person k helps me back and person x just floated yep. into the fucking ether you know and like but then i'm getting support over here like why why can't that balance it out yeah It's funny. I did this whole series on karma and how karma doesn't work the way you think it does, because we also think of karma as this for that. I'm going to put good out into the world and it's going to come right back to me. And that's not the way it works. What you're doing is you're putting good out into the world. You're creating an environment where more good can happen. Mm. You're creating an environment where where you are a positive impact on more people. And then what happens is you get to live in that better, more positive world. And mm-hmm. that's when karma comes back to you. Yeah. So I, I just think it's interesting. Um, you know, we're taught, especially networking, we're taught like, what can you, one hand washes the other. I can wash my own fucking hands. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I think, and we're taught that way. It's like, we or it's supposed to happen like this and that's not how it happens and that's why people lose patience in business yeah and that's why i i don't like sales revenues meetings and you have to hit this and this and this because it doesn't always happen at the same time yeah and and when i give keynotes i talk about tomatoes versus radishes and when you know i build the, i plant a garden every spring and everything goes in the ground at the same time 3 weeks later i have radishes but I takes 97 days for me to get a tomato. And what I don't do is pick up a radish and walk it over to the tomato plant and shake it in its face every day and ask where my tomatoes are. <laughs> and so some of the people in your network are radishes and they're good. Like you and I are radishes. We immediately were like, we're going to help each other out. How do we do that? How I'll be on you. You'll be on me. I'll make introductions, like whatever. And that's because we immediately felt comfortable doing that. Yeah. What you have to understand is there are tomatoes in your network, whether those are people that would take a lot longer to refer your business, make strategic introductions, buy your product, like whatever. That's okay. 
because that's the, the rate at which they grow in their relationship with you. Your job is to give them the same amount of water and sunlight and love that you give the ones that are really, really fast. Because there's nothing wrong with having a longer gestation period. Yeah. Especially if you like tomatoes more than radishes. And I hate tomatoes. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I grow them. Oh, I just, this is a quick tangent. I don't know if you watch Only Murders in the Building, but I've never felt so seen the season finale of season two. Tina Fey's character, they talk about how she's afraid of the inside of tomatoes. And I immediately was like, I have ne- same girl, same. I've never felt so so seen in my life because the most disgusting thing to me is when you cut open a tomato and they're like gelatinous and they're like the seeds and I'm like oh like I can't even so like I grow tomatoes because I love my Italian husband but if I wasn't married to an Italian husband I'd never grow a tomato in my life I loved that tangent so much (laughs) this is I love, I have a love-hate relationship with LinkedIn. With LinkedIn, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it because I have really met some amazing people on there. I think it's a really great place for putting out a message and honing it down so that it's really reaching the people that you want it mm-hmm. to reach. And you get to practice that. And it's, there's things are tend to be a little more long form. So you're not trying to like eliminate all nuance in a massive situation yeah. by creating a meme that has four words on it. Yep. I like all of those things. I cannot tell you how many messages I get that say, let's get on the phone to find out how we can help each other. I'm like, I didn't ask for your fucking help. Right. I don't even yeah. know you. So I just ignore all of those things and I don't let it affect me because same as you, I don't know how many of them I get a day and I just hit ignore. I immediately, I don't even look into them. I just hit ignore. Yeah. Um, because that's a, that's a blanket form they're sending to everybody. So the the second you accept, they're going to pitch something to you. Yeah. So I like LinkedIn to be the visual representation of my actual network. So if I do not have a relationship with you, we do not have a relationship on LinkedIn. Yeah. Because it's not, I, it's not about the amount of followers. It's not about how many friends you have. It is, and, and this is quality over quantity. Yeah. So for me, I just ignore it because again, we are all so busy and that's just noise that I don't need. I don't need to see it. I don't need to hear it. So I just hate ignore. So there are people out there that are like, but then how the fuck do I network? So. <laughs> I know that that's a very big question. And I, and also like if, cause that, that definitely doesn't work for me when people say yeah. that let's, let's help each other. I'm like, uh, right. I didn't ask for your help. So, I don't, you know, that. so then how do you start a relationship? Like our relationship started because you reached out. You were like, you want to be in my podcast? And I was like, sure. Yeah, let's do this. You know? Yep. So the way it works is you do your research. So what I did before reaching out to you was we're both on innovation women. I Mm -hmm. had looked at your profile. I had, I looked to see how many mutual connections we had, which we had mutual connections. And what I did is I reached out to you and said, Hey, we're both a part of this group. We also share these friends. I actually have other friends who are in the burnout space that you might know, but I also have this podcast. 
Um, and I'd love it if you would come on and talk about burnout. And if you don't want to, that's fine. We're, and I think we are actually, I, something about being speakers or whatever. Yeah. I did all of that research so that when I reached out to you, there was almost a kinship with me. So there's yeah. this thing in, in social network theory called triadic closure, which means if you and I don't know each other, but we share a mutual friend, our likelihood of liking each other and our ability to build a relationship is much greater. So yeah. I used our mutual friends. I used the fact that we were part of groups together um, to build a kinship with you before reaching out to you. So if you are not doing that level of research while you're reaching out to people on LinkedIn, because there are so many people on LinkedIn that I've never met in person, that I've never met in the real world, but I consider them extremely close friends. So yes, you can build relationships online. If you don't think you can, then you've never seen an episode of Catfish. There's people sending kidneys to people they've never met. Okay. Like, so yes, you, you can build relationships. Online. Sorry, I'm just going to let you. <laughs> don't send me a kidney. We don't, I don't, don't I don't want, kidney. don't send me a no. kidney. Um, so yes, but treat that relationship like any relationship you would, like any time you would want a strategic introduction, you would do your research and you would reach out showing why you want to have that. You, you saying, I want to find out how we can help each other. Come at me and tell me how you already know how to help me. Like, because you've done your research. This is the thing that makes me nuts. Like there's, uh, if you want to help me, go ahead. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's not hard to help people these days. Like you see somebody has an article out, a podcast episode or whatever. You share it. You share it. It's not hard to help people. So if you if you feel like you feel like helping me, go help me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Thank you. But like what? (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's that's the thing I LinkedIn, there are some people on LinkedIn, their way of doing business is, is the old way. It's let me shove my product in your face because you need my product, right? You need me, right? You need my product. You need this. So like, I'm so special. Like that's the old way. That's akin to going to a networking event, handing out your business card without even asking the other person what their name is. I don't know if I need you. I don't know if I like you. I don't know if I even care what you do for business. Do not Come at me with your business card and or your elevator pitch because that's just word salad. Okay, I want to know who you are first before I give a shit about what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I needed a minute for that. (laughs) When I moved back to the States, I spent a lot of time going out to meet people. Because I needed a new network. I hadn't lived here in a long time. I hadn't lived in the Northeast in 17 years when I moved Mm -hmm. back. One of my closest friends lives in Connecticut. That's about it. That's Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was all I had, you know? So I really did have to go out and really spend a lot of time meeting people. And some of those people have become friends. Some of them have, there's been some business exchange. Some of Mm -hmm. them have turned into nothing. Some of them I don't remember. All of those things are true and that's all fine. But if you're going to network and do it well, you don't Mm -hmm. have to kill yourself while you're doing it. No. And you can't build a network overnight. Yeah. 
So that's the thing. People are like, oh, I need a network. Oh, my network's not big enough. Like, whatever. Like, here's the thing. If you went out and you met two new people every week, you just made it a point to meet two new people. You did your research and you connect with somebody on LinkedIn. You went to an event. You asked somebody in your network for a strategic introduction. If you met two new people every week at the, at the end of the year, you'd have 104 new connections. Well, guess what? That takes a lot of time to manage. Yeah. So I always tell people to build their network slowly and with purpose because you cannot manage growing fostering a number of relationships and do it correctly and, and, and do it without getting tired because managing relationships takes a lot of time and energy and energy and harking back to the tomatoes and the radishes, like not everybody in your network is supposed to be at the same strength of relationship. Yeah. Like there are your top five. There are your next circle of 15. There's like robust connections. And then there's your outer network. And that outer network, people always think, oh, like, oh, I, I haven't talked to that person in so long. That's okay. That's fine. Because there's 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 strength in weak ties. There's strength in loose connections. What people don't understand is 85% of jobs are filled through networking. Yeah. What they're when they're usually filled through networking, those 85% of jobs are filled through loose connections. It's yeah. somebody going in the way back machine in their brain, going, Hey, I actually think I met somebody who might be perfect for that. So it's okay that your network is built up of extremely strong relationships and then some relationships that you're working on and then some relationships that are loose connections. That's actually what a diverse and, and big network looks like. Yeah. So you can't, you shouldn't go all in on every single relationship all day. You can't do it. And that's actually not the purpose of the network is to have a lot of these different kinds of relationships at the same time. I want to dig into this weak tie thing a little bit more because mm -hmm. this is something that I've read a lot of research on because yep. I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. And I want you to explain to people what a weak tie means and just how impactful they can be because this goes back to like not getting stuck in the tit for tat and the reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. So the weak ties are just people with which you you're, you have a relationship in the sense that I can send you an email. You'll send me an email back. We don't see each other all the time. We're not always working together. We met at an event and we connected on LinkedIn. And sometimes we comment on each other's uh, posts and whatnot. But it's not like you're, you're, you're getting your quarterly coffee with them or anything like that. And it could also be people who at some point in your career, you used to be very close with, maybe you worked in the same office, maybe you were colleagues, but you don't work together anymore. So that relationship is not, not important, but the, just the strength of it in the, in your interactions have gotten less, have been lessened. Now there, like you said, there's been a lot of studies on weak ties and the strength of weak ties. And one of the studies was they took, um, CEOs of companies who were dealing with a particular problem within their company. And half of the CEOs were asked to reach out to people that they were in their like close circle of 515 to go to them for answers, problem solving answers to these problems within their company. The other half of the CEOs in this study were told, okay, 
you can only reach out to people who you haven't talked to in more than three years. And this immediately, they like, then they, they started getting nervous and they were like, oh my God, I'm going to reach out to somebody I haven't talked to in three years. Like, that's weird. It's not weird. Okay. We're all very busy people. A year goes by in the blink of an eye. Okay. So at the end of this study, they realized that the CEOs who reached out to the people they were super close to, their answers, their problem solving was a lot weaker than the people who reached out to the people who haven't talked to the people in more than three years. And it is because when we have strong ties, those people want to please us. They want to help. They, they know how we think. So their problem solving is along the lines of the way we think. And also like they understand what might kind of like rub you the wrong way. When you haven't talked to somebody in more than three years, they don't know how you would normally solve that problem. So their ideas, they generate their problem solving is much more varied and they're not afraid of, and I don't want to use the word offending, but they're not afraid of like ruffling the feathers on how you would normally do things. So when you look at weak ties and you say, oh my God, I haven't talked to that person in three years, four years, five years. So what? And there's no excuse to not reach out and say, hey, I don't know why, but your your name like just popped up into my brain today. I realized I hadn't talked in like three years. How are you doing? Yeah. Like, that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes things like there. And I can see the Instagram meme that comes up after that. Like people only reach out when they need something. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing. Don't reach out only when you, again, this goes back to you. It's very hard to network from a place of authenticity. If your place of authenticity is in a crisis, you got to reach out beforehand. Amen. Mm-hmm. So you want to just do this all day? I could do this all day. I mean, honestly, like people are like, how long are your keynotes? I'm like 60 minutes or seven hours. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) I could do whatever you need. What do you you think right now about how you're using your own energy in your own life? Are you afraid of burning out? Are you not like what, where are you? Where are you? I don't believe, okay. I, I don't believe I'm afraid of burning out. I'm afraid of, I, I'm afraid of not doing time management correctly. Mm. So as you know, when you, so it's funny as a speaker yourself, I, when I get booked for a one hour speech, I live in Boston. When I get booked for a one hour speech in California, that one hour speech takes me three days yeah. to do. I yeah. got to fly out there the day before yeah. I got to give the speech And then the next day I got to fly home. So a one hour speech cost me three days of my life. So what I'm trying to figure out now is how to better time manage my energy because nothing for me is virtual anymore. None of my speeches are virtual anymore. So I, again, will be living on planes. So I'm a little worried about, but I'm taking, okay. I'm a little worried about overbooking myself because I come from that scarcity mindset. I come from that depression era mindset, even though I never grew up in a depression. Um, So I, I hired a business manager and I hired um, a fractional CFO. Awesome. And those two women are, their job is to say, you don't need to take on this job. Like you've made enough money and, or if you're going to be this busy, you have to charge more. So you don't have to be this busy. Um, so I'm working on it. I've never thought about having other people 
help me manage my energy. But now that's where I'm at. And I feel really, really good about it. I love that. Yeah. I love that you did that. When did they start? So I started, Kate is my business manager and I started working with her three months ago. And Kim is my fractional CFO. And I started working with her this month. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to hear how this goes. Yeah. And it's because I was nervous about, this is, this is going to sound weird, but I was nervous about how in demand I was and how I was going to manage that. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person where I'm like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. So now that yeah. I have two women to, or people, friends, two, two consultants telling me what to do, I feel better about the decisions that I'm making for the business. Yeah. And the decisions that you're making based on what, what kind of money is coming in and things yes. like that are now more objective because yeah. they are being made by people that are not in your emotional soup. Yeah, exactly. Like my business manager, she looked at, my billings for so this was last month. She looked at the, my billings for the rest of the year and my expenses for the rest of the year. And she actually said to me, I don't want you to take on one more speech. Yeah. And I had never thought that that was something that I was allowed to do. I had never thought that I was allowed to say, I'm not taking on any new gigs until next year. Yeah. But once she told me, you're not taking on any new gigs till next year, I felt like I had the permission to say it. Yeah. And I could almost feel like this like this relaxing happening in my body because I, again, I come from more, 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 more. We need more, more, more. I need to be booked, 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 booked. But when she told me, no, like actually getting booked is actually being detrimental to you. Then I, it was like just permission granted to like, just relax. And I feel so good about it. So I want everybody to sink into this a little bit, because this is one of the main reasons that people hire coaches. Mm Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you just need somebody to tell you that this is, it's okay to do this thing. And you might need to hear it once. You might need to hear it twice. But as soon as that permission is granted, it's granted. And in the world of individualism in the United States, which we love individualism in this country, there's this internal belief that you should be able to figure that out and give yourself that permission on your own. And what I'm here to tell you right now is sometimes you need another person (laughs) to help you get out of your own way so that you can live the life that you are supposed to live without burning yourself out, without killing yourself, because other people's eyes and ears on your stuff makes it look different. We are not always Mm -hmm. designed to do everything by ourselves. And also, I know you weren't in Nashville because you had a wedding to go to. Yeah. So the National Speakers Association was, conference was in Nashville. And prior to to this year, the the words we always heard at the NSA conference was you wanted to be booked and busy, booked and busy, booked and busy. And that was the that was the the mantle which with we decided on whether or not we were successful. Are you booked and busy? No, then you're not successful. They changed the narrative completely this year and said, we don't want to be booked and busy anymore. We want to be paid and peaceful. Mm. So I think about that now because I grew, you know, getting into this, the speaking business six years ago, that's what I aspired to booked and busy meant I was a successful speaker it's going to take a little while to reverse that train and say, no, paid and peaceful is what. But you don't have to reverse it on person. your own. You have people right. helping you create that scenario. Exactly. Because you know that if left to your own devices. Yes. That train is just going to keep chugging. Yep. Yep. 
I love it. Julie, where do people find you? Oh, well, so the easiest way. Okay. So I have this little tool that, cause I always talk about networking and people always talk, ask the wrong questions in networking events. So when I said, I don't want to know what you do, I want to know who you are. I have a little, um, download that people can get. It's the 10 questions to ask instead of what do you do at your next networking event, whether that networking event takes place in person or online or whatever. So if you go to say hi to julie.com, you can put your name in and download those 10 questions uh, to ask instead of what do you do? Or you can find me on LinkedIn and I'm Julie Brown BD on LinkedIn. Uh, but again, make sure you mention that you saw me here and that you're friends with Kate so I can do that triadic closure and be your friend too. Because otherwise, I'm just going to ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> Say that website one more time. Say hi to Julie Brown. Say hi to Julie.com. Say hi to Julie.com. All right. That will be as per usual, my fried fam in the show notes. Today's episode was a little bit different. And I hope that you took some things away from it because we were allowed to explore some topics that we don't always have the time to really get into. So I want you to spend some time thinking about what your big takeaway from this particular episode is. This was a really good reminder for me today to be okay with those weak ties, to be okay with the fact that there's some space between me and some people and that it's okay to reach out to them just to say, hey, for no good reason. And that and all of that is fine. It, that, that was a really good reminder for me today. As per usual, that takeaway that you have, I want you to throw it into the Facebook group. I want to talk about it a little bit more. It's really important to take these things that you're getting from these episodes and put them into some sort of practice. We put them into practice by sharing them with one another. So hop into the Facebook group, let us know what you got out of this and uh, wave at us on LinkedIn and make sure you say nice things to about, about us to other people and stuff. <laughs> All right, and Fred stuff. fam and stuff. <laughs> Until next time.